Hi, I'm Jim. And I'm David. And this is the Practical Guitarist Podcast. The podcast for people who eat, sleep, and breathe guitar. The Practical Guitarist Podcast is brought to you by Great Lakes Guitar Pickups. Great Lakes Guitar Pickups provides fantasy tones at prices of practical guitars to the world. Featuring top-notch construction, attention to detail, and a fully custom product, if you can dream it, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups can probably build it. Follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Pickups. Are you a regular listener? Why not? David here reminding you of all the ways you can participate in the Practical Guitars Podcast. Subscribe using your chosen podcast app. Review us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or Google Play. Find our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash practical guitars or on Twitter as at practguitarist. Support the show. Merchandise is available in our Threadless store at practicalguitarspodcast.threadless.com and donate to us via Patreon available at patreon.com slash practicalguitarist. Reach out to us directly via email at questions at practicalguitarist.com. Hello, Jim. Hello, David. How are your sinuses this evening? Oh, probably better than yours. <clears throat> My wife was just complaining that I was hacking up along and that I might die. <laughs> well, please don't do it during the podcast. Yeah, and I'll, I'll try to save it for after. If you do, make sure you pass the audio information to me as you go. Your last dying breath. <laughs> Jim, it's all yours. It's, uh, I can't do this anymore. Dan Kish, you're... Yeah, I, I bequeath this show to you. <laughs> I, I would probably just be somebody totally random, dude. Like, to be completely honest with you, would be like, that guy from the RG Ibanez group that I just had an argument with, oh, take the show on my behalf. Take it. <clears throat> yeah, it would cry. that would be like a curse. Man. You ever see that movie Thinner? Oh, that's, yeah. kind of what I'm th- that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like a curse, you know? <laughs> I loved I loved the book. <laughs> Bless me. Bless me before I have cough. Before I have cough. I have my soul coughing. is escaping my my soul is escaping my body right now. No. Um man. All right. So you got a new job. Let's let's yeah. talk about that for a minute. Well, I mean, yeah, I got a I got a part-time job that's giving me a little extra money. Um, so I started working at a guitar center so I could make what what gets the equivalent of gig money. Um so that I can grab some more stuff over the end of the year because I've got some I got some pretty high hopes <laughs> and uh Great. yeah for spending. I mean you figure <laughs> I'm looking at a camper, right? And I'm looking at a twelve string Rickenbacker. So yeah. We'll talk more I'm, about I'm that looking at I'm time. trying I'm looking at trying to lower my car foot the car payment to the point where I don't have one anymore. Yeah. So okay. you're yeah. So, oh, well, I'm actually doing that. So Friday, I have one last car payment. And then well, I'm done with this car. I have a lot of car payments left to make, but I'm not going to make them. I'm I'm actually selling my vehicle. We're going down to one car for a while to try and save some money. So, yeah, no secret. Makes sense. Makes sense. Done it before. Oh. We My wife works close enough to home that I can drop her off. So big deal. Any update on your wall? Oh, yeah. They're going to rip out more of my condo. Uh, Surf Pro came out 
ran their their uh, humidity sensor in various places and discovered that um, pretty much the whole front wall of my condo has been saturated in some way. And so from two feet from the floor, to, you know, like off the ground, they're going to strip drywall um, and they're going to basically like force air through it to dry it all out and then try to um, <clears throat> treat any mold that's in there. Yeah. Um, but uh, the insurance company has finally coughed up. They're going to start taking care of us. Um, in fact, they talked to Surpro once they realized there's going to be a lot more mold mitigation going on and uh, flood mitigation. They they coughed up more. They're going to have their guy come back out and make me an additional estimate on top mm-hmm. of what they've already given me. Um, they didn't void the check that they sent already. So it sounds like um, it, it, it based on what it's saying, like it's all covered. They're not even going to balk. Um, so <clears throat> it is what it is. That's pretty um, yeah, I mean, I, the the whole thing with my car has really nothing to do with the flooding. Like, that's all covered by insurance. So, um, And my association is starting to come around, too. They're sending out their uh, contractors to take a look at some stuff this week. So <clears throat> it's just been a nightmare. I, I spent Friday, um, my whole day Friday, from, like, basically 5 o'clock in the morning till 9 o'clock at night dealing with making phone calls around this stuff and getting prepped for this wedding that we had to go to the next day. And getting my car ready to for sale and all this different stuff. So it's just it's been nightmarish. Um, in fact, I took my car to CarMax to get them to give me a quote so I could get a comparison. Um, but it's just this whole thing, all personal stuff, not really musician related, other than the fact that like um, I want to lower my debt level so that uh, we, we can actually just use regular income to buy stuff. I don't have to use like you know credit right. to purchase right. gear. Yeah, um, so that's the goal. <clears throat> it's that i think that's the best goal yeah because i you know growing up like um i didn't get and i don't want to i don't want to shortchange anybody i didn't pay enough attention to the way that my parents used uh credit and stuff mm-hmm. and i made a lot of mistakes in my younger years um it's like a lot of the credit card debt i've been carrying is like eight years old it just needs to be dealt with and wiped away and the only way i can do this is take matters into my own hands so we're taking drastic measures to do this and uh hopefully you know we're, we're hoping by april things will start loosening up a little bit i'll be able to get a car in april um and we'll be able to kind of like move forward um, but that's not that's not a huge deal so you you take it on this role at guitar center uh yep. today was your first full day yeah so <clears throat> what's it like well so <laughs> i went in for training really so um i went in did you know the the stuff the orientation stuff learned the pos um, and, uh, there's a reason they called those POSs, POSs, take my word for it. <clears throat> the, yeah, cause uh, they're points of sale. Yes. Because they're points of sale. Exactly. That's why they call them POSs. It's not because of any other reason. There's this like, Un- there's this like Unix based. It's so old school. It's unbelievable. You'd be surprised at the number of those that are out there. Oh no, um, I'm not. <laughs> I used to support some of that. They're, stuff. they're Unix based. There's Linux based. They're written in COBOL most of the yeah. time. Um, because you can put it on any platform you want. Don't miss that period. <laughs> so, don't don't put that um, uh, that comma in the wrong place. Yeah, make sure that know. semicolon is right that there at the end exactly. of the. So it's yeah. right there at the end of the variable instead of you know space after it. That's right. That was sad, not sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So that the um, uh, I learned that, and I learned you know pay pay thing and everything else. But what I found out was I'm going to say this. For, for people who uh, talk about Guitar Center, 
they have an awesome benefits package. I am not full time, so I don't I don't partake in that. But I can tell you right now, if I was looking for a part or a full time job, and a guitar center near me had a full time job available, and I was looking to go to retail. They're not like Walmart and and those other places. These guys have a really good benefits package. Okay, well, a lot of that has to do with you know competitive compensation in your area too. Like if you live yeah. in an area where I do, where you basically can't survive unless you're making twenty bucks an hour. Yeah. Um, you know, it's yeah, the benefits are great, but yep. you can't survive unless you're twenty dollars an hour. So yeah, unless you're you know uh, unless you're a real um go getter. Um, a lot of these guys, I sat down with a guy. He um uh, I helped him. Uh, because I'm not in the POS yet, um, helped him make a thousand dollar sale before I was there in five minutes. Um, so, and that was a used guitar. So that's that's a lot of markup used. Uh, so <clears throat> those those commissions come in at the end of the month. So you get the commission, and uh, you know you get stuff based on your um, your other stuff. So there's it's a pretty good gig. Um, even as part time, I'll be able to take take part of that. So. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Plus, 30 days after I sign up, I won't have any money because my my employee uh, discount kicks in. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim, Jim will have that brand new Kemper. Those, you know, the that four by twelve full stack. A Les Paul. Uh, yeah. A fifties Les Paul and a Rickenbacker twelve string. <laughs> brand new PA. You know. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, they do have a limit. There's a limit. Yeah, um, they cap you. It's like it's like your health insurance. After a certain point, we don't cover you anymore. No, no, no. There's a limit to the number you can get per day period. So oh, you can't okay. just go in, in and other buy words, 50 yeah. different things. So in other words, like a rich millionaire can't get a job there and then use your employee discount to buy everything in the store. Bingo. Bingo. Yeah. So I'm probably going to have to limit myself to one item per month because of the yeah. numbers I'm looking at. But well, I... I could not believe the employee discount on uh, um, some of the stuff. I mean, I can't, I can't divulge it. Oh, I know. Yeah. And I, and I've been told kind of what it is and it's, it's, it's really good. It was much better than I thought it was. Um, When when I was told, I was like, what? I was like, really that? Oh, I'm in. (laughs) But for, but for that company, that is, that is their product training, right? Like Mm -hmm. they know that their employees are going to be able to push what they know better right. you know what i mean so that right. so it's an incentive and also it's also you know educational so. oh yeah and because they limit it it's really mm-hmm. not something you can you can take advantage of but you can't take advantage of no you know what i mean here's the here's the thing i the problem i would have working there right so like everybody who has ever worked a fast food job or any sort of food service job knows that you eventually get really tired of the place you're you're working for is food right, right. well I don't think I could ever be yeah. tired of Guitar Center's food, if yeah. you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> that would be a real problem for me because there would never be a day where I'm like, you know, it's just another guitar. Like, I would yeah. be like, no, that's, I like yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Put it, put mean, it in my throat. <laughs> so there are certain things I can't, like, divulge. Um, you know, you get the, the lecture. Right, about, you got the right, NDA. Don't, don't, you can't talk about this. And you can't yeah, talk about, don't talk about like, this. Don't talk about that. Yeah, well, but, it's, it's funny because they're telling you not to talk about it, but legally – there's not a whole lot they can do. And you can go on Glassdoor and you can find out a lot of that information. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, if there were other ways of finding it, but there's a lot of stuff that I'm like, oh my God. Um, and of course, upcoming sales, you can't talk about that. Can't, yeah. There's a lot yeah. of upcoming um, items that you can't Yeah. Say you're going to find about. out about products and stuff like, and they will have real NDAs with that. And you, and you do have to stick to those, but like right. compensation stuff, like that's protected under law. 
You can talk right. about conversation to get blue in the face. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and so, like I said, um, you know, it, uh, I was talking to the guys. I was like, wow, this is actually, I mean, for the level of work it is, because it's, you know, at the cashier, but it, you can move to management relatively quickly if you're a, if you're a go-getter. Yeah. If you know um, what you're doing and like, yeah. right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, I've always thought about like if I got out of work, going to work for a music store. I don't know if I'd want to work there if I'd want to work at a like a successful mom and pop. Um, right. But I, I always thought like there were certain guitar center locations in our area that are just poorly staffed, and that's why they suck. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of the if I was going to work at a guitar center, that's where I would go because then you would you would easily be able to rise in the ranks or whatever. And, right. You know, I think I think the hardest part um, is when uh, you know. Like you said, there are certain places it's hard to staff, whether it's because they can't be competitive in the in the market as far and, as on the income. And I think they, that's a big part of it. But they have a thing called gig leave. You could take leave. Uh huh. Like if your band is going on tour, you could take leave. Sweetwater has on that. Tour. Sweetwater has that as well. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, that's yeah. a pretty cool thing. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, somebody put gray hair in my head. Um. So no, they, they I, I have that problem too, Jim. <laughs> it's right here on the side. Where, where'd that come from? Um, so, uh, I so there's some funny stuff that happened though. It the thing was that there was no end of comedy. Oh yeah, so, it's comedy of errors. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about. I could talk about certain stuff because um, there's no. Uh, Just don't mention names. It's cool. Yeah, there's no names and. Um, but anyway, somebody that, that had lifted a guitar from the store without paying for it came back to complain. <laughs> About the guitar they lifted? <laughs> because oh my God. He he came in and he bought a strap later. He didn't buy the guitar. They bought a strap. He asked one of the guys how to put the strap on. So they put the strap on the guitar and showed him how to put a strap on a guitar. How how you could not put it know how to put a strap on a guitar. I don't know. I mean, there's two buttons, two holes. You put the buttons in the holes. I mean, they don't no. even provide instructions for a reason. It's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. There's always that, oh, no, you're wearing it backwards. or you're wearing, you Wear it any way you want. But anyway, so unless you got strap locks, which this guy obviously didn't buy. So he walks out with a cheap strap. And he came back with a broken guitar and said, it told him how to put the strap on wrong. And... Because it fell off his back when he was walking. <laughs> this dude is the dumbest scammer <laughs> I've ever heard of in my life. Oh. And of course, they called the cops and, and he was arrested. Yeah, and that was a whole scam thing. Like, that's what that was. It's like, oh, well, it's broken. So now I'm going to scam you to get money out of you. Yeah. Because. And then they had another guy. What? Did he drop a banana peel in the store and slip on that too while he was there? They, he the way he left though was hilarious because he grabbed the guitar and he just ran out the door. He just yeah, he just bolted for the door. And what by the time they they followed him out, he was two he was two parking lots up before, before they got out the door. He was on site. He was flying. I'm surprised they even followed him out. I mean, isn't the uh, yeah? Corporate I mean, it rule wasn't thumbs, ex- leave him alone. This one right. This one wasn't <clears throat> expensive. Well, they kind of wanted to see you know ID him, so they pulled up the the footage, and that's how they were able to get the cops to arrest him. But then later, another guy, this is a funnier one though. He, he lifted an expensive guitar. He just walked out like he owned it. <clears throat> he just walked right out with an expensive guitar and then came back again. How do, why do people do that? What is with people? 
came back. What did he try to trade it? Oh my gosh. So, <laughs> like, you don't keep track of the serial numbers that went through the store. I mean, I, I, I've never heard such dumb stuff in my life. And this all happened yeah, today. Well, that's just it. So, they have a thing called shrinkage. We have a shrinkage <clears throat> board. So, in the store, they, they track, um, you know, what's been stolen and the, and the serial numbers of what's been stolen because you know those serial numbers. Right. You put stuff on the, on the, as cheap as things are, except for strings and stuff. Yeah. I mean, even my, even my boss pedals, if you've ever registered a boss pedal, the serial number is right on the box. It's right on it. So it's just funny. Some of the stuff people do. Um, I just can't believe people steal, like are really stealing that much (laughs) from Guitar Center that like you guys have to, to asset track the serial numbers after the fact. That's hilarious. Yeah. Like what? What world yeah. are we living in? I, and I, I'm going to guess the expensive guitar is like a Les Paul or something, right? No, it was an acoustic. It was like a Martin. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, no, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Makes sense, yeah. right? We're not talking about something cheap. <clears throat> like yeah. three grand-ish probably yeah. in that territory. All right. So yep. he walks out with a $3,000 guitar, and then he brings it back to trade it in. Yeah. I mean, uh, what in – now, I get it. Like, this is a scam as old as time, right? Steal yeah. something from the store and then make a return yep. on it and pretend you don't have a receipt. So yeah, that... people do it at Walmart all the time. Yeah, but that isn't going to work at Guitar Center. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, but even why if don't I didn't have the case, even oh. if I didn't play guitar, I know that everything has a serial number on it, so, and I'm pretty right. sure guitar stores would track that. So here's the funny part. So <clears throat> if we have a, a guitar like that, it's going to have a case, right? Yeah, and the case is kept. Either, you know, wherever your warehouse things are. Right. Across, upstairs, right? Um, and the case has the serial number of the guitar written on the case. Yeah. So, so we... I mean, not even if you weren't the tracking number. the serial number, like, it, there it is. Yeah, there's the missing one. And it, there it is. We forgot. You know, if somebody... Did the, co- did the cops just sit in the parking lot at your guitar center? Is that is that how this works? Like... No, no. <laughs> It's not as often as you might. Do you have a liaison in the store? Yeah. But I saw some cops there one time when I went there a while. This was a while back. And I wondered why the cops were there. And it was because they were picking somebody up. And they had to truck him to like two counties over because he had done something else. (coughs) I've literally never seen. To to give you some some context here. I've never. I've literally never seen the police in a guitar center here in in Chicago. And I'm. Shame to admit this, but I've been in them a lot. <laughs> okay, so that's that's pretty shocking. Um, it is. It's 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 hilarious and and a little bit disturbing at the same time. I just I like Jim. How many times did I face bomb during this conversation? It's, <laughs> it's pretty clear that I'm like it's, I'm losing my faith in humanity. <laughs> even the swindlers suck. Like even it's the, getting, yeah, I mean they can't even do it right. So even the so idiots what's going on get, here get dumber. So yeah, but um. Uh, we had a person call up, and the and the conversation went like this. I'm going to try to um, say it as, as nicely as possible. So the the conversation goes like this, and this is one side of conversation. The customer calling um, to talk to one of us. Ma- and male it was female. Like, oh, it was a guy, and okay. uh, and the, and it was a guy on our end, <clears throat> right. uh, uh, male, on both ends. And the the um, customer says, um, "Yeah." I'm looking for a Yamaha sustainer pedal for a Yamaha keyboard that is 
sold by Yamaha and made by Yamaha. And do you guys have the Yamaha? He just kept saying it. Yamaha sustainer pattern that goes with the Yamaha you know, keyboard. You guys, made by you guys, what you guys should have said is no, but we do have the one from Roland. <laughs> so, so our guy, our guy says back. Let me get this straight. You want the Yamaha, <laughs> the Yamaha sustainer pedal for the Yamaha keyboard? I really am gonna cough a lung up. <laughs> it was just, I was like, uh, do these things actually happen? I mean, it, this guy's a meme all the time. And uh, what was the? Um, oh, there was another one that uh, I found. I just I laughed my butt off, and I I was like, wow, this is. This is crazy. It gives you a had, new perspective on on the guitar community, though. We're go, let's talk about that when you get done with the story. It does, but it, it also I was so I get to look at the, I got to look at the sales numbers because those come out in an email. I got and we're like we're like way past it. We're one of the best stores in Guitar Center in the region, I guess, and we're far exceeding sales um, uh, numbers, which is good. <clears throat> um, so. They're doing something right. I think that I think that one of the things because I I hear about I've said a hundred times I have not had a bad Guitar Center um, thing, and you yet visit, I hear you about it. Visit some of those other ones. Yeah, I hear about it all the time. And here's here's a here's a horror story that is a result of another Guitar Center that comes to ours. So there's this Les Paul hanging on the wall, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's a Les Paul Modern that are supposed to be twenty seven hundred dollars is marked down to twenty two hundred. Jesus, marked down already. And they said, yeah, nobody will ever buy it. I said, why is that? He said, because we have to divulge what's wrong with it. And I said, what's wrong with it? It had a broken headstock. It got a headstock repair. And I said, oh, okay. I said, <clears throat> I, you'd think they would have, you know, brought it down a little more. But they have a limit. Right, um, right. Gives them, gives them a limit. But here's what's funny. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> um, he said, yeah, nobody will ever buy it. But it was another guitar center that didn't tell a customer, sold it to them, and then they found out it had a crack head stock repair, and then brought it back to our store because they ordered it from a different store. Uh... And see, I did. I had called about a 2018 um, uh, SG when I went to buy this one. And by the way, all my guitars are in their cases, so they're hanging by me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> The uh, from the gig. So anyway, I um I went to call about a 2018 Les Paul, and, it, and when I called, they said, um, "Yeah, the the, uh, um, the guitar had a headstock break. It was the last 2018 in all of Guitar Center's um, inventory, right? Which is why it had a they were marked break. down, and it had a headstock break. And at least they were honest. They said, "No, you don't want it. It's got a headstock break." You don't, you don't want this. And they're just going to sit repaired. on it. They're just going to sit on it until they shred it, basically. That's right. They'll sit on it until they shred it. And that's what, that's what typically happens. There's a, there's a nice fender in our, in our inventory. That's like, it, it's one of the, um, <clears throat> Aerodyne fender, um, bases that fell. And so it's got, it's just got a finish, um, flaw on it. On it. Mm -hmm. And it's been sitting there for like 500 bucks off forever. I'm like, damn! Somebody's gonna get a killer deal when they buy it. It's one of those nice jet black, yeah, yeah, yeah right, right. precision jazz things. It's killer, killer, so, precision and jazz. So, 
I, I want to switch. I want to switch gears, and I want to talk about like the enlightening experience this has been for you in the guitar community, and like understanding how little guitarists actually know about their stuff. And and oh yeah, just just the fact that like oh, oh. we tend to think everybody's got their opinions and they're kind of educated on it, right? And, and then you work at Guitar Center for a day, and you're like. <laughs> and this is why they say the things they do to some of these people. And it's like, I already know everything. We had a guy come in and he goes, uh, yeah, I need to get my, he, he needed a, um, the tool to adjust his guitar. Right. Like a truss rod or something. Or a right. Truss rod adjustment. Or... So he got a multi-tool that right. we sell that, that has all the nice stuff. And they're, and they're great. Fender guitar. I, yeah. And they are. Yeah. They're great. And he got the, the truss rod adjuster in there. <clears throat> so he gets it and he goes, and he has a really budget guitar. I mean, when I say a budget guitar, it's like right. So he comes in and probably, well, I say really, but in the in the classic vibe, probably too. Right? Yeah, like he, he, it's not, playable and it's going to be really right. functional. Right. Right. Not a not a. It's not a bullet. It's not a toy. But it's right. <clears throat> but it's not you know higher end. But it's it's good. It, it's good Fender. We've, we've good enough said. Yeah. And so anyway, he goes to get the thing and he doesn't know how to adjust it. And I can understand that. I mean, anybody that's never adjusted a truss rod does not know how to adjust it. But the thing was, he goes, he he says to our guy, "Hey, I'll buy you five bucks if you'll adjust my guitar so it'll go low enough that it doesn't uh, it doesn't buzz, but as low as possible." I'm like, you know, everybody's doesn't buzz is different. I didn't say it to him because I let I let the the salesperson take care of him take care of it. But I was like, everybody's lowest buzz point is different. That's number it's, one. Well. <clears throat> yeah, but and but you don't. What strings you're using? You don't. Uh, okay, so yes, dumb. I I know. You know what I'm going to say, which is that because I the trust rod isn't necessarily the whole. I mean, there's a Thank lot you. of different adjustments that have Thank to go you. on to keep that from happening. You don't just tweak a trust rod and all of a sudden all of your buzz is gone and it plays perfectly. That's uh, not how guitars well, work, folks. It might be bowed like this. Yeah, I mean. It doesn't buzz, but suddenly your action's it, like, you know, an inch high. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it, the, the salesperson was really nice. We told him, you know, we, we charge, charge for that. We charge $50 and I can't really do the work. He was nice enough to say, I can't do the work that the, that the repair yeah. guy does. That's but why it, we but have it, a but repair it's a total, guy. But it's a total setup. So they're going to do the whole kick right. and Because that's what they have to do. But right. the thing is that 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 um, and this is something that uh, I've seen on several different places. An acoustic guitar is one thing, but an electric guitar is another. You can have a little buzz in electric guitar. I don't know if you've ever heard a bass player, but if you heard them acoustically, most of your bass players buzz like a saw. And <clears throat> it has yeah, a, go ahead. it has a lot to do with not just um, you know the fact that electric guitar is different. But it has a lot to do with the player too, because I played, I've played electrics where they buzz so bad I can't play them. I hand them to somebody else and they make them sound great. Oh, and yeah. same thing with acoustics. It has a lot to do with the the mechanics of the player, um, right? And that's and that's really the bottom line is if you're a heavy handed player, your idea of mod or of low action is a totally separate thing from somebody that you know really doesn't pick hard at all. Right. And and if you're playing nines, it's going to be different than if you're playing twelves. You know, it's just a different thing. <clears throat> the the spin of the string is different. Everything is is the physics is a completely different way of doing things. Plus, a little buzz isn't isn't a terrible thing. No. Just realize that a little 
the more well, you're talking about, even if it's not coming out of the amp, is going to um, start killing your sustain. There's a big difference between fret buzz and rattle. Rattle right. is the thing that's always going to happen. You can't get rid yeah. of that. Um, yeah. And I think people confuse that with fret buzz, and they're like, oh, yep. well, this is affecting my sustain or whatever. No, you'd have to have some really severe, and you'll know. Yeah. Like It'll be like a note is fretting out. You won't even be able to hear yep. the, the note, really. Yeah, um, it'll kind of die. Almost yeah, but that's but that's <clears throat> the, that's the things like fret rattles okay. You can get away with yep. fret rattle. You want to hear a lot of fret rattle on a record? Go listen to anything with Vernon Reed. Um, that guy yeah. plays with insanely low action, and it's part of his yep. sound. So, and that's I, my, I do it all the time because I have really low action. I'm just up, and I know that, but I I have a lighter touch than a lot of people. Um, yeah, I know, can't get away I with it. Slice. I can't no. get away with it. In fact, I was handed a I was handed a beautiful PRS with super low action uh, about two weeks ago and i was like i can't play this it's it plays fantastic but i'm oh, like yeah. there's no way in hell i would it's ever not. be able to play this thing <laughs> yeah it's not for you yeah oh that's the other thing i saw a beautiful whale blue uh prs the the uh ce24 uh, hollow body i was like oh, so anyway <clears throat> yeah i'm not gonna make any money over the next six no months. he's not so, that's why i said this is the dumbest idea for a second job ever totally stupid <laughs> And all the money I thought I was going to save yeah, by not it's having just, car payment. It's, I'm gone. like, dude, you're, you're, I don't know what you're doing here. Like, <laughs> never mix, Between, you know, never mix a hobby with with a career. Like, that's bad. <laughs> this is so dumb. So dumb. <clears throat> so it's kind of like when I had a um a, a comic book store. Anyway, so yeah, that so that guy that guy made me laugh. Um. <laughs> There was a couple of guys in the back playing some 12 strings and they were trying to detune them. <laughs> trying to detune them. You can stand them for like 20 them. minutes to get them down. You're like, oh, here, let's put it in double drop D. Like, <laughs> what? They were trying to go like some open tuning. Oh, yeah. No. 12 strings like Taylor. Open G. Let's go. <laughs> then, then he's asking for the truss rod adjuster because he's like, <laughs> he's got, he can adjust both truss rods. Okay. He's in there with his phone tuner. He couldn't get it to go. He's got to, he comes up and asks for a headstock. It was just, I'm like, oh my God. And I'm listening to them and they're, they're like so out of tune. Like, well, that's oh the God, thing that's because... the worst. That's what I've told is the worst thing about working in a music store is listening mm -hmm. to the people who just, it's like a cacophony of noise. You just can't, you can't escape it. Oh yeah. And then one kid walks up to an amp <clears throat> and he's, he's playing. He's got, it's a two channel amp. So can you guess what happens when he switches channels? Uh, the uh, the master volumes turn way the hell up. It was all the way up. So he, hits the, he hits the guitar. It squeals and loud enough. Everybody in the store goes. And they, yeah, hands to the ears. And he's over there going, oh, what did I do? What did I do? And he's all freaking out. I mean, I've done that before, but but like in all honesty, like it's never been, you know, I've never had the guitar just like wildly out of control when I do it. But I don't usually oh, yeah, plug no. into big amps anyway, so it's never oh, been that big an issue. Into, he was plugged into a big orange head. Oh, gosh. And a, um, an orange 2x12 uh, cab. Yeah, um, uh, that'll, yeah. that'll ruin your day. <laughs> it screamed. It's great. I will say this. It was loud. <laughs> it was quite loud. And he was literally sitting right in front of it. So that guitar, when it squealed, there was no turning back. Uh, like no, like Jimmy Hendrix. Me, I was just gonna say to me that sounds like a good time, man. 
I mean, like, just <laughs> launch into like purple haze and, and make everybody think it was on purpose. Oh yeah, but he was. It, it was like he had dropped a, you know, like he had dropped a fart. Yeah, in and like yeah, or something. And <laughs> he didn't know what to do. Yeah. Dude, I, I honestly am having such a. Blast. I'm just gonna say this it's, is day one. Like <laughs> that was day one. Wait until it one. starts getting annoying, and then you're gonna be like, no, dude, I can't do this anymore. I can see. I don't think. I see it coming. I don't think it could be possible. The only way it could be annoying, and and even then, it would be in in waves. Is like if some know it all comes in and says, "I know it right, all, right. I know everything," and then it's like, "Have you dealt with you? anybody like that yet?" No, and you know, a guy came in and he asked. He he said, uh, "What year is this guitar?" And I said, "It's got to be." I said, "Geez, that looks like a 2018, 2017. I said, "Maybe 2017," and uh, I was taking a guess, and then and then I put it on the dater. It was a it was a yeah, Fender uh, Professional Series, and it was um, twenty sixteen. Yeah. Came up right when they first started, but right. But the the funny thing was, obviously, twenty sixteen. But they started, even though they made them in early twenty sixteen, yeah, they started right, late, right. selling them late twenty sixteen. Right. Call them twenty seventeen. I said Fender doesn't really have a dating system on it, but That's, I can tell you what day it was made. Yeah, it was made in January of twenty sixteen. And um, he goes, "Oh wow, thanks." He goes, "Where'd you find that?" Because I couldn't find it on Fender's site. And so I showed him, and he was like, "Oh wow, thanks." And then he went up and he bought it, and it was a. And that was the thousand dollar guitar, eleven hundred dollar guitar that uh, was bought the first couple minutes that I was in there. So, so I have seen because I I hang out in music stores enough. I have seen people like literally come through the door and then ask for advice and then and then like do a one eighty and be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, and I and I and I dread that person because you know they're going to be there. Yeah. Um, I dread the person that comes in and looks at a $3,000 guitar and walks out with a $100 one. Um, but I hope they walk out with something and that, and that they're happy. That's the important thing. I don't know, dude. I've seen, uh, I've seen some, so like I saw a guy, he's a, he's a local professional, um, out from mm-hmm. like the Rockford area and he went right. to the guitar center in Arlington Heights and he was in the platinum room and he was playing a custom shop telly and he had yep. one of the higher end telecasters in the line. I forget which one it was. But he was bouncing back and forth and talking about pickups. And he's like, I like the custom shop, but he's like, I don't like it enough to spend the extra thousand dollars on pickups. Because he's yep. like, that's really the only difference to me is the pickup. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's completely valid. I don't think anybody can fault somebody for being like that. No, no. And and that makes sense. I mean, you go in there, it's it's one thing <clears throat> um, you know, to ask to play like you know, three, $3,000 guitars. And then, you know, <clears throat> but Hey, you know what? It, it, I would rather somebody try them out and maybe fall in love with one than not. Um, we brought back in a blueberry burst, uh, 335 ES 335. I was like, Oh my God. Beautiful. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it was a, it was a day of drooling over guitars. You're and gonna, it's going to be like that every time you're in there, Jim about stuff now, nah, because there's going to be the same thing over and over. I, what, With the exception of the youth and some of the new stuff. One thing is going to help. One thing is going to. This is going to help you, Jim. Is you're going to be able to avoid buying guitars because you'll have no choice, right? You'll right. I won't have a discerning palate for what you buy. <clears throat> well, the the fact is, so like I said, I'm not. I'm not going to trade anything. I'm not getting rid of anything. So, um, you know, I don't want to. Um, I want to. I don't want to go in the negative. So what I'm trying to do is. I'm trying to set it up to where I buy things in a logical f- fashion, right? So I'm looking at 12-string uh, Rickenbacker first because I play the Tom Petty stuff and I play the Beatles stuff 
in the gigs that I'm doing, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then, um, then the Kemper, you know, and then moving forward to there. So <clears throat> those things are going in a, in a line, right? Right. Um, but I do know this, I'm waiting to see what Les Paul or what Gibson does next year to see if there's something that they do to backpedal on what they talked about this year, because if they backpedal on it, then, you know, like they say, okay, we're going to release more colors that wasn't popular enough. Or they say, you know what? Three Les Pauls isn't enough. Right. We need, right. We need more. Right. Um, that type of thing. So we'll see. I, I do know they're coming out with a new traditional that's actually more expensive than the standard. <laughs> There's this thing called the traditional five, right? I'm like, oh, that's cool. Push pull knobs. Okay. But it's a traditional. $2,700. No, that, now, I'm not giving that, that. What's that? I don't think that's any more expensive than, than what they used to be, though. No, the traditionals were one of the cheapest ones. Well, no, no, no. But my point is $2,700 is still lower than the three grand they were costing, that, that all the Les Pauls were costing a year or two ago, unless they were in the studio. True. But, the, well, the traditional and the classic were always in the 22 to 2400 so inflation yeah i guess i guess it's the um let me see if i can find it it's the traditional five uh, i want to say v yeah and i think they've done they've here it is yeah the gibson les paul so they're doing two here's what's funny to a two series of it one's a flame top and one is a satin the satin 1899 the flame, $27.99. Know what the difference is? No. The top. Oh, well, cares? 900 bucks for that top. I just don't get I, I mean, this is the kind of thing they were. They were trying to avoid. Yeah, they were supposed to be trying to avoid. No, it is what it, it is. is. What's it that? It is what it is. I mean, we, we don't. Yeah. So I have no skin in the game. I don't really care. To be honest with you. Uh, oh yeah, I, do. <clears throat> I mean they're both hard shell case. Um, they're both the. Uh, um, I'm assuming the underwound Alnico Five magnets. But I'm assuming this is just Alnico V. Sorry. This is really just uh, an electronics upgrade, right? Yeah. What's the price of a of a regular traditional now? A regular traditional. Um, I want to say that's eighteen ninety nine. So, don't bother. This is stupid. Yeah, just just buy the parts and do it yourself. That's that's what I thought. Because the the um, well, they're probably not going to sell those pickups aftermarket. But go find it. Go find Great Lakes guitar pickups. Have them make it instead yep. of underground El Nico <clears throat> El Nico five magnet pickups. Yeah, the regular traditionals are twenty one to twenty two ninety nine. So I can understand a satin finish being a couple hundred bucks off. Yeah. I get that. But 900? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's crazy. And it's because it's a... I mean, they are flame top. I did yeah, see but there's no, there's no $900 flame blank. No. That's that's nuts. Um, no. These are not 10 top guitars or anything like that. So no. ri absolutely ridiculous. I had... So... A, yeah, go uh, ahead. No, you... you no, I was I was heading towards the the gig thing. Oh so. well, I don't want to talk about the gig yet. Finish. I want to get yeah. there. 
Um, I had an interesting discussion with somebody in the Ivan is RG group today, and I want to talk about it on the show because I think yeah. it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'm a member of the Ivan is RG group. I don't know why I joined it. It was like a long time ago. I think I was looking at Ivan is RGs at one point. I was like, oh, I better join the group. I can find out more information. So anyway, every once in a while, I see a thread come out of this group across my um, my timeline, and I'm like, all right, let's let's read up. Read up. This morning, I saw one. I'm kind of interested in the old uh, John Petrucci RG signature that, that he used to have um, back in the, you know, the mid, uh, I guess it would have been early, early to mid nineties, right? Before he made the, the move to Ernie Ball. And um, I always thought the finishes were real cool. And I think the appointments are pretty interesting, but um, I see somebody talking like, whatever happened to all of the, or the Ibanez signature models that John Petrucci owned? Apparently right. he had like 200 of them or something. Um, that was said in an interview or something like that. And they were like, well, what happened to him? Well, the first person says you know, he sold them all. Uh, another person says he sold quite a few of them. Um, but then as it, as it progresses, th this one, and cover your ears, this one asshat comes up and he mm -hmm. says, John Petrucci didn't care a crap about those guitars because they were just given to him and he didn't really pay for any of them and didn't really care about them. And so... He doesn't really care about any of his guitars. Like he doesn't have any sentimental attachment to anything he owns. And so when when the Ibanez deal was done, he sold them all. And then the okay. person said, "How do you think endorsement deals actually work?" And they were, and basically he was like, "Well, he gets all his guitars for free from Ernie Paul." And the guy's like, "No, that's not really how endorsement deals work." And I'm gonna, oh. I, I, this is why it, it starts getting crazy, right? So the endorsement right. deal thing, like a lot of people think that. Just because you have an endorsement deal, you're getting free guitars. You might get a couple, depending on the company you're with. Um, I know I've heard of some A-listers getting, you know, a hundred or something over the over the life. Oh yeah, like Les Paul himself, right? And, uh, BBK, but that might be over the life of the contract, right? So like, right? If you think specifically about um, the one I would like to like to point out, like Eric Clapton, right? How right. how many Fender signatures do you think Eric Clapton gets? I'm sure every guitar that he has in his road case when he goes out to play, which he doesn't play anymore, he's retired. Every guitar he had in his road case the last four tours was probably all provided to him by, by the Fender Custom Shop. For right. Um, but again, he's Eric Clapton, right? Not everybody's freaking Eric Clapton. So not everybody has those kinds of exclusive deals, right? So... That's where I'm. That's where I'm kind of driving this conversation. Is like, okay, so where does that? Where do they draw the line? And I'm, I'm, I'm engaged in this discussion, and this person just keeps pushing like everything John Petrucci gets, he's getting for free. Like his amps from Mesa Boogie, and I said, whoa, that's when I put the kibosh on it, because I know the guys over at Mesa Boogie. I've had conversations with them before. I know the Midwest rep. I know um, the guys that go to go to Gear Fest. I, you know, so it's, I, I kind of have a better bearing on this one than I than I would anybody else because you know these these deals are all shrouded in secrecy there's no like Rosetta Stone that explains to you how these deals work but it's pretty clear like Mesa Boogie is pretty pretty obvious about this fact that they don't give people anything okay right um right and they <clears throat> big stink about the fact that they charge people full price a lot even professionals so yep. if you're not nor normally an endorsee from them you're paying full price if you are on the artist roster, you're getting a deal, but you're not getting a crazy deal. 
Um, yep. And I talked to I talked to uh, a dealer here in the, the uh, Chicago area about it one time, and they were telling me, well, you know, they're probably – I don't imagine – because they didn't even know. They said that I would imagine that Mesa's probably not giving them any lower cost than us. Um, right. Which there's very little – I mean, like, so there is mar- – there's, there's markup, right? You can just guarantee without even asking them there's a 30% markup. But that's the dealer price, right? That's Mason does not allow you to set your own prices. That's, that's your right. price, right? That's everybody's price that deals Mason Boogie. And so if you stop and you think about that for a minute, if if it's a 30% markup and they're say, and they're saying like at at maximum, so if you're in like the high tier of their artist program, you're getting it at cost, dealer cost. But if you're in the low tier, you could be getting 3% off or 5% off. There's like no discount there. Um, and so that's kind of what I was thinking. Is like, there's this guy saying that, that John Petrucci gets all his amps and gets his stuff sent all around the world and stuff for free by Mesa. Do you have any idea how big these companies actually are? And I know I've talked yeah. about it on the show before, but <clears throat> Jim, how many people work at Mesa Boogie? <laughs> how many people? Yeah, what? There? A dozen? Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like I, I, here's the example that was given to me. Somebody got hurt at Mesa Boogie. It cut their production in half. In half. Think about that. One person got injured, and then they had to cut production in half because that one person happened to work in the cabinet department. So yeah. just think about that for a minute. Like, everybody seems to think that Mesa Boogie and all these other companies are these massive entities. And they're not. Rivera, I think there's like five people that work there. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, that's why, like, when I hear somebody say something like, oh, they're doing all this, like, really expensive, fancy stuff. Look, being a guitar player does not mean that you're, like, Michael Jackson or something. That's not how this works. The companies, are, Pepsi is not lining up to endorse <laughs> you, okay? Yep. And the endorsement deals are, they're icing on the cake for most of these people. Maybe your Steve Vai's, your Eddie Van Halen's, you know, your top tier guys. Endorsement deals are really, really good. Otherwise, it's just it's about getting you the gear you need to get food on the table at a price that 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 is attractive enough with the companies you've signed up with for them to get a little bit of cheddar when somebody goes and sees you at a gig and says, "I really want that sound." Um, that's right. I, that's why you know we've been talking about, um, and I won't say his name, but. A YouTube celebrity that we that you and I both watch, who has mm-hmm. gears, who has gear that we've kind of questioned. Like, is he getting this stuff for free, or is he part of an artist program or whatever? Um, because that's, I mean, if you're right now, if you're trying to get in front of the biggest amount of folks you can uh, in your guitar company, fastest way to do is YouTube. Um, probably faster than putting it into an actual player's hands. It's you know touring, because yeah, people don't go to that stuff anymore. The venues are getting smaller. I don't know if you've noticed, but the rock and roll venues around here are, are getting tiny. And um, it, so if you really want to, you know, kind of put that in perspective, like if you were going to, you know, let's say I'm Ormsby, right? Who would I want to put a guitar in the hands of to sell? DBT, right. Jared Dines. Um, would I be as worried about getting a guitar into the hands of, um, I'm trying to think like, the guitarist that plays for Bruno Mars? Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not. Probably not. Probably not. Um, <laughs> look, look at it that way. 
Bruno Mars may, over the course of a tour, see a million people in front of him, but maybe only 3% of those people or 10% of those people are guitar players. And so what difference would it make if the, if the guitar player over there has an endorsement deal? Well, then the fact that how many people actually see that guitar? Well, that's the reason why I kind of laughed that Ernie Ball Music Man signed up James Valentine. Yeah. I mean, no offense to James Valentine, who's a very talented guitar player. Um, he's not exactly somebody that guitar players are looking up. Not at that level. It's not like Taylor Swift. All right. And it's actually not even like the guy who's fronting the band. Um, uh, what the heck's his name? Adam Levine. Adam Levine. It's not even like Adam Levine. Because they they see Adam Levine. They see they see James, but they don't even think twice about what they don't hey, think maybe about they, they may not even know his name. Do, do you think now there were guitar players who were looking at Scotty um Moore behind Elvis Presley because the guitar players knew enough to know that Elvis Presley wasn't even playing his guitar. Or Carl Perkins or any of those people at that time. Right. Carl Perkins, yep. But the but the guys that were um, uh, later on uh, would would stop. Why would they Why would they model? Yeah, I well. So now that that leads me to the other part of this argument. So this really isn't about Mesa Boogie, but that's where it alerts me that this person is being kind of a buffoon, right? And yep. I made a comment about Ernie Ball Music Man being a mid tier guitar company, which they are. Mm -hmm. They're not. They're not boutique, right? They're not. They're no. not five guys in a garage, but they are certainly not Fender or Gibson. Now they have a huge string business and they have a huge right. accessories business, but the accessories aren't coming from them, right? Like somebody else is making them for them. Like if you buy a yep. string winder from Ernie Ball, that's not Ernie Ball string winder. They, they, they source that from somebody else and put their name on it, right? Which is perfectly acceptable. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I am saying is that Ernie Ball is not producing a huge quantity of instruments. It is producing, I would say, of the Majesty line, for example, they might do 1,000 a year, maybe. They might do 800 a year. They might do 500 a year. It could be a small number like that, which is why it was so critical for Ernie Ball to get a Sterling going for them because I, I don't know if you remember when they did OLP, right? So they did the officially licensed product line. Yep, OLP. And then that got a bad rap. And so then they started with Sterling. Sterling has kind of a mixed reputation. In the beginning, Sterling was terrible. Um, I played some Sterlings recently that I thought were great guitars. Uh, they don't have the same appointments that you're going to get on a Music Man. No stainless steel frets, for example. Um, but I felt like they were they were good for the price range. But, but ultimately, the point here is this. So I, I mentioned to the guy, I'm like, do you realize how much it actually costs to make a Majesty? Because that's where I'm like, any majesty, right? Even the Sterling one. The Sterling was a thousand bucks, right? Seven, or it's like between seven hundred thousand dollars. Why? Because the quality of wood that goes into it's it's part of it. The other thing is labor. So in in the in the majesty version that comes from Sterling, if it's a thousand dollars, there's probably five hundred dollars worth of labor in that guitar. Yeah. And there's probably two hundred dollars worth of wood, and then the rest is dealer markup. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, we're not talking about a guitar that's, you know, uh, that's made with the finest of materials. So John Petrucci, when he goes on tour, right, and he calls up Music Man, he's like, I need five guitars. They're not going to, like, 
so if they're they're three thousand bucks, a Majesty is three thousand bucks. Um, and to put it in perspective, right? If it has like a flame top or anything like that, the the special finishes they put on them because some of them are like, um, these metal flake and all that stuff. Um, and yep. and or the the body woods on the routing, the neck woods, um, the figure and all that stuff changes the cost of the instrument. So my thing was like, I told the guy, I was like. No, I don't think that you realize how expensive these guitars actually are. It'd be one thing if they were going to flow him guitars based on the fact that, like, the guitars don't cost very much. Those guitars are 2000 bucks a piece to make them for at least, at minimum, right? And that's just the materials. And he goes, he comes back and he says, um, he says, you're not going to tell me those guitars cost, cost $2,000 or whatever. Her Majesty costs $2,000 to make these ones. And I'm like, clearly you don't understand that the sawdust you are paying for the sawdust from the sanding yeah, the, and routing process. You know, so yeah, a, a, a Majesty Seven Tiger Eye is five grand. Yeah, but that, that's, that thing that, costs that's three, the top three tier, right? And the three thousand dollar model, right? That's your six. Is that the one with the carbon fiber? Um, that's the yeah, that's the Petrucci Majesty six grand. It's three thousand dollars. You figure that. Three or four hundred of that goes to John Petrucci. Yeah, well, I don't know if how much I wait. I, I can't speculate on how much of that percentage goes back. Yeah. To I'm just saying there is a percentage. That goes so, so, and maybe that's how they do it. Like, yeah, okay, so John gets all these free guitars because because um, part of his royalties goes into this fund, so that when he needs yep. to tour, and maybe that's how it's structured. But he isn't. Yep. He's not getting those for free. Let's make it very clear. Right. He's getting them because he sold some. And then right. that money went into an right. account to help him when he has to tour, right. which is really benefiting both parties at that point, right? And That's and, right. And it helps him tax. Yeah, and even at that point, I'm sure that there's still some cash on the table that goes into John Petrucci's pocket. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm sure. that's why I'm like, I'm kind of sitting here scratching my head because I'm like, you're you're making out like this, this and, and for lack of a better word, John Petrucci is not a household name outside of guitar players. Uh, he's right. not an Eddie Van Halen, folks. I, I know everybody thinks nope. he is. But outside of the guitar community, nobody knows who that guy is. Um, so you got this guy who's, you know, got this endorsement deal and he's not super popular like Eddie Van Halen. They're not flowing him guitars. They, they would be more likely to be flowing guitars to somebody like Steve Luke Lather. Yeah, Luke. Luke Lather. No, did I say Lather again? Yeah, Luke Lather. And, yeah. um, Luke. Uh, or and then not Steve Morse. Um, it seems like there's somebody else in there. No, Steve Morse is another one. Even even some guitar players don't know. Yeah, Steve Morse. Maybe St. Vincent. Maybe. 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 Yeah, she'd probably get. I'm sure she got some clothes. Yeah, but I mean, so like that's the thing with Ernie Ball. I wouldn't expect like they might they might get like three a year or something like that. Yeah. But John Petrucci yeah. like goes on tour with like ten guitars, and yeah. and they're almost always new ones. So. Yep. All right, so I want to put it in perspective. So a, a, an A-lister, Les Paul, when there was a person that found a Le, that got a Les Paul, it was a white Les Paul custom, and it had Les Paul's signature on it, blah, blah, blah. And they, it was one of those um, TV shows, those reality shows where they go to, to find out if the, if the story about right, it right, is right. real. They're like, oh, this is Les Paul that he's holding in this picture with his wife, Mary yeah. Ford. Blah, blah, blah. They did all this digging. What they came to find out was Les Paul got about eight or ten guitars a year. Yep. 
And what would happen is, just like what that guy was talking about, and this is true, Les Paul would get him, and he's like, I don't care. And he'd sell him or give him away. And yeah. he had every right to do it. Now, um, uh, they used Gibson also did that with um, a BB King. Um, there was a certain number that he got a year. But he didn't get a lot of them. No. We think it's a lot. But he didn't get a lot. But when you think about it, like you said, that's part of the contract. Yeah. Is that they're selling a given number. And they're able to give him a certain based number. on the deal, <laughs> based on the deal. And now people who know who BB King is, they know who Les Paul is. They don't even know. Most people who know Les Paul don't know he was a guitar player. They just know his name was on a guitar. I mean, you talk about the original signature guitar, right? I mean, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Right? Don't make it look less than it is. But if you look at um, a music man, right? A music, a music man. In the in the Sterling range goes for a thousand dollars, which means that thing probably majesty, costs. Right. I'm sorry, Majesty. Yeah, Music Man Majesty goes for a thousand dollars in the seven string model, and that thing probably costs, you know, three hundred dollars to make, three hundred fifty dollars to make. Yeah, more like, I, so I, I was saying, look, labor and stuff. It's probably around five hundred. Yeah. But still, you yeah. think about that. You know, it's pretty clear that those guitars they're not putting the level of effort into the materials. Right. Uh, right. Then you take. You take the three thousand dollar one though, that thing had to have cost, you know, um, it was probably two half, grand to, to, just half. for the material. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, so, I can't see how. I mean, yes, there's going to be a, there's a bigger margin in there because they have to build a margin for themselves. I'm talking about the sales, the end sales margin. I'm talking about the margin that right. I, Ernie Ball has. So that they can pay John Pertucci some which amount is, of money. Yeah, which is like thirty percent of thirty percent, right? Right, or put it into a fund to give him um, some guitars. Yeah, but yeah, I think the guy's got a little bit of a. Um, he probably thinks that they he gets a shipment of like like a book. You know what? A, a, an artist gets a book and he, he gets a hundred books. Yeah, and it's like you know, a writer and. And they get a hundred books, and they're, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I got a hundred To God, there are people out there that believe that ha believes that happens. No, what happens is he does get a certain number. Of, they don't get to keep all of the the um, what do you call them, the ones that that they work on before him. The prototypes. Well, and yeah. that and that was another part of his thing was like, "Oh, well, what do you think? Do you think the artist is paying for all the prototypes? They don't. Uh, no. Very rarely but do they get to keep, keep the people. prototype. Very rarely. And, right. That's." Yeah, usually that's part of the contract to give the prototype back. Sometimes the end prototype they get to keep number one or yeah, number two yeah. or whatever. They, they say it's a prototype, but it's really the final production model, like that the first of the production I, models. Which that's exactly. that's my understanding. That's what Evo was for for uh, Steve Vai. Yeah, for John, um, for Steve right. Vai. Yep. And, Evo was like the last of the prototypes because it that was what it was going into production. With. Right. And then there was what's this other one. There's Evo well, and uh, Flow. Yeah. Um. But that's that's you know you, you you hit the nail on the head there. But but this this distinction between like people who are in the know, who have had conversations right. with people in the gear industry, who realize these yep. are the same people that will tell you that um, the guy that runs Earthquaker Devices, I forget what his name is, drives a Ferrari because he's selling pedals, and like what they don't yeah. realize is no. they do like they have like thirty pedals in their lineup, but they only make like fifty each. You know, <laughs> it's yeah. like. He just doesn't get it. Like it's super all and stuff. I mean, they they probably think that uh, that um, uh, what's his name, uh, 
I gotta look at my Wampler. That Brian Wampler has millions of dollars. I <laughs> mean, I yeah. His company might be worth millions. Of His dollars. company might be worth a couple million dollars. I don't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's millions. But I'm saying that he is worth. Yeah, it. the brand is probably worth more than the company. I mean, at this point. Yeah. I'm saying if he sold the brand, but he's he's not gonna, you know. I, no. I doubt yeah. that he's looking to sell. No, he likes what he's doing. I mean, that's fine. And 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 that's the thing. You got to understand that the people that are involved in the industry, your Randall Smiths and all these other people. Yep. Yeah, they've made money, but they've made money by making smart yep. decisions. The ones that are still in the game, right? Um, the ones that ones that made the mistake of giving away too many guitars are gone. Are gone. Where is they're gone? Jackson is no longer Jackson anymore. Kramer is no longer Kramer anymore. Those yep. those were the companies in the beginning that were just handing out everything. But you know, you got to remember that those companies are kind of like your modern day Fenders in the sense that they built guitars out of the cheapest components they could find. And yep. we're just handing them to anybody who wanted them. Yep. You're, you're, now, you'll find those. Uh, there are a lot of Magic Jackson Kramer guitars out there from like the late 80s, from like 85 on. Yep. But Yeah, mid-80s to late 80s. But you will also find that they were doing things like putting Made in the USA on the on the uh, neck plate, despite the fact that yeah. they were made overseas. They were made overseas. And the only thing was done was stamped on Yeah, them. they got sued for that. Uh, yep, and so that's kind of what I'm pointing out is that like Fender's done that they didn't do that by by you know misleading people, but they have found ways to cut costs to use cheaper yep. woods. We know that. Does anybody remember the uh, the late '90s bursts where they were where they yeah. were making sure that the arm contour was was completely blacked out in the burst because they were using yeah. multiple pieces of wood sandwiched together. It was wood. laminated bodies. That's the thing about some of the Gibsons. They had they were sandwiched. They were making. They called them sandwich Les Pauls or something like that, um, where they were sandwiching wood together. Some of the alleged to put a some of the allegedly great ones were done that way. Even in back at yeah. you know in the late fifties and and early sixties, um, you know they had a cap in there, obviously. But I've heard that some of the great Les Pauls on records are like sandwich bodies that yeah. you strip away that back finish or whatever. You'll see that there's like multiple layers of wood. Some of the most famous and favorite Les Pauls are juniors. And that was the leftover parts that yep. nobody wanted. Yep. For a, it, the, the custom doesn't want them. Give them to the standard. Standard doesn't want them. Give them, to the, <laughs> give them to the juniors. You know, I mean, that's really, that's what there was back then. Right? And then you had SGs and so on and so forth. But, it, you know, the point is that, that um, yeah, it, it, these guys aren't rolling in guitars. They may get eight to ten guitars a year, may. Um, and most most of these companies, like you were talking about, there's another company that was like that with uh, that um, what like Randall from um, uh, from Mesa. Yeah. yeah, Randall Smith. There are people who are uh, other companies. They will not give their stuff away. They'll sell them at cost, but they won't give them right. away because if they give them to the artist, that's what happens. Randall. And then the artist floods the market. What Randall Smith will tell you, and he and he and he's completely honest about it. He's like, there was a story about um, the Mark II, right? The somebody had one, and then they played with, um, and I, I think it was like somebody, it, somebody, I forget what it was. It was somebody famous had had it, right? And they played on stage at Madison Square Garden with uh, Rolling Stones, 
And of course, as the story goes, they were shocked that this little one by 12 amplifier was as loud as Rolling Stones, you know, twin 12s and whatever. The yep. And um, yep. they got uh, they got in trouble uh, because, of course, he calls up. He's like, oh, I want to buy one. And they're like, yeah, are he actually he's like, can you just send us one? That's what they wanted. They wanted they wanted Randall Smith to just send them one because they were the Rolling Stones. And yep. Randall Smith is like, no, you got to pay. Here's the here's the yeah. price, and they're like, yeah. no, we're not paying that. Invoice. Do you know who we're talking? Who you're talking to? You know, like, um, and he ended up paying. He made him pay, and and yeah. the reason was, and he'll tell you this: the second you give something away for free, it has no value. That's right. It doesn't, and and it has no value, and it becomes what that guy thinks that John Pertucci thinks of his guitars. You think that John Pertucci? Look at look at these guys. They put they sock these guitars away. They don't. They may give a few away. They may sell a couple. John Pertucci does not need to sell a guitar to make his thing. He might give one away at, at um, one of these camps. He does. Yeah, you know, but yeah. he's not. He doesn't need to sell them to make money. That's not his. That's not his shtick. I mean, um, who was it that was selling off some of his private guitars? Uh, uh, cheap trick. Rick Nielsen. Yeah. Sold off some of his stuff a few years ago. And you know who had to sell a lot of his stuff? Had to to make his bills was um bass player from Double Trouble. Um Tom uh what's his name? Tommy uh Tommy Shannon. Shannon. He had to sell a bunch of that was back. Geez, that was the early two thousand, I want to say. Maybe two thousand four, two thousand five. I might have my dates messed up, but I remember reading um a whole bunch of stuff and it was from him. He had to sell a bunch of his stock to get um, to make his bills. A, a lot of people go through that, um, and the, yeah. I mean, and and when you have the amount of money that some of these people do, it becomes really easy for you to to stockpile this stuff and just be like, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to take, I don't want to spend the money to actually auction it or sell it. Um, yeah. That's how you end up like Jimmy Page with a warehouse filled with less balls. Um, yeah, and, that's uh, that was uh, Rick Nielsen. Got led. He's got. He didn't know how many Les Pauls he had, so he finally sold some off. He didn't sell his collection. No, no, he, he just sold, sold the ones that he wasn't playing, and like that makes sense. Um, I think Mark Agnesi helped him so, out. So before we move on, I want to talk uh, real briefly about uh, in the auction I watched the other day. Somebody mentioned in Sixty Cycle Hum that they were doing uh, in the group that they were doing the um, uh, who's the who's the uh, not Donald Fagan, but the maybe it is Donald Fagan. Oh, Walter, Walter Becker. Walter Becker. Right. Because yep. he, he died, and of course, they're, uh, yep. if you don't recall, and they're auctioning, oh, they're auctioning off some of his telecasters. They're auctioning like everything, right? Because wow. I watched the, um, I watched the, the uh, thing, and there's like crazy amounts of gear in there. Thanos and stuff like that. Um, Tom wow. Anderson strats and just craziness. Yep. Yep. And I was watching it, and I just couldn't help but think to myself, like, as these people start passing in the next couple of years, there's going to be intense stuff dumping onto the vintage market. When you hear about oh, yeah. Jimmy Page having 500 or 750 less balls, when he passes, where do you think that stuff's going? It's not going to stay in his estate. That's going on the That's open right. market. So all of these like 70s right. less balls that have been hiding all these years, they're coming on the market. Yeah. They will be. And, and the market's going to be flooded with vintage, vintage guitars. It's and it's going to be yep. a real interesting time. Level out. It's going to do this. It's going to sag real hard. And do 
Because if you think about it, um, like you were like you were just talking, there's a guy that came into the store today, and he all he does is buy um, high end guitars. He'll be in trouble. And he was ordering an R9, and I and I wanted to say, you know, because I personally I want an R9 too. I want, actually I want an R8, but um, or an R6. But anyway, the the um, the fact is that he was looking at these uh, th this um, vintage guitar, um, and he was trying to make a deal, and he brought in a bunch of really nice stuff to try to get, you know, to get himself into there. So this he was looking at a twelve thousand dollar guitar, and he bought a brought a bunch of stuff to try to trade off to get to it, and still couldn't get there. So yeah, sometimes the market is too soft, and you can't you can't do it. And right now, unless you're looking at vintage Les Pauls, they're really not holding, they're holding their value relative to other guitars, but not as much as they once were. It'll can bounce. I, can but, I point out something I think is really interesting? The price of a, yeah. of a um, let's say, I don't want to say 59s, but like mm -hmm. the price, let's say, okay, so I was looking at, I was looking at SGs, I was looking at 60s SGs, right? And the price of 60s yep. SGs really hasn't changed much in five years. Nope. And I don't think I don't think it's going to remain that way. I think when the Angus Youngs of the world start passing, and those SGs start, there's a guy with market, a lot of SGs. They're out there somewhere, and and when they start hitting the market, like the prices are going to come down, and it's going to be. Oh, yeah. We're not going to be old guitar prices, you know. When everybody used to say, "Oh, that's not a vintage guitar; it's just old." Um, I don't think we're going to get back to that point, but I think we're going to see. You're going to oh. see vintage guitars going for three grand. And and yeah. unless we have, you know, some sort of inflation thing caused by politics, but it's going to be like equivalent to three grand value today. Um, yeah, you look at so Angus Young has got a boatload of SGs. Um, his uh, tech was talking on his uh, premier guitar. Yeah, he only uh, uses like the same four that he started with, but he's got like, like the same. He's been using like the same two. He'll use the same one all night. The guy said he'll use the same yeah, one yeah. all night till it goes out of tune. Then he'll hand it to him. Then he'll play for like two songs, and then like and so go for the other one. yeah. And people are like, "Wow, he used to play a red one. Now it's now he's got a black one. It's the same guitar. It's been refinished. Yeah. He plays it so hard they've had to repaint it." Yeah, but, um, yeah. The it, but the guy's got bunches of them. Um, you look at uh, some at some point, Tom Petty's estate's going to go up for auction. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of Rickaback there. Um, you know, George Harrison's estate has come. Out, they slowly trickle it in there because they know if they flood the market, they're not going to get as much money. Right. You know? Right. Um, um, Gary Moore's stuff went out, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we're going to see. Yeah. You think about it. Um, another guy that would have a lot, Pete Townsend. It, there's tons of people, dude. Like, it's it's unfathomable because even your, even your B-listers from the 70s and 80s are going to have yeah. well over 100, like, vintage instruments. That's that's what yeah. The families are gonna so on. um yeah. It's an interesting proposition if you're thinking about getting into the vintage guitar, dipping your fingers in there, toes in there. Maybe wait five years. I mean, I don't, I don't want everybody yeah. to die in the next five years, but yeah. and it's a really yeah, morbid but, thing to think about this. But I mean, you're gonna you're gonna lose Keith, your shirt if you do it now, in my opinion. Keith Richards is definitely gonna pass away at some. Point. There's gonna be a lot of nice telecast. Well, all right, and and Les Paul, I switch gears. He's he's uh, famous for both. All right, so um, had a gig. I had a gig Friday, so I'll talk about mine right. first because mine was mine was first. So I had a um, 
<laughs> at a gig Friday, um, and it was a nightmare. Um, it was it, it was great, and it was terrible because I quit right after. Did you? Yeah, it, the the crowd loved us. They were pleased. They were dancing, hip to us. They booked us for another night, and I left. What happened? Because, well, the the it's it's all internal strife with the band. People it's just argue strife, with could, and it, it's just no. It's just the you know, uh, Pete Thorne said there's three things that keeps you in a band: the money, the music, the right. hang. There's not enough money to keep me there. The music, this guy keeps wanting to do the stuff he wants to do, doesn't want to listen to anybody else's input. Nobody else from the band. That's why all three of us quit. Yeah. The three of us quit. Three out of four people quit. The yeah. Band. That's how bad it was that day. And uh, the hang. And the hang ain't there. Because it, it, it's like every time I had to go to rehearsal, I'm like, it, it was instead of, man, I get to go to guitar or, or I mean, you know, band rehearsal, it was like, ugh. I gotta get my stuff together and go to rehearsal. <laughs> and everything is there. The only thing I had to do was put my shoes on and walk out the yeah. door. So it's like I didn't I didn't even want to do that. And I get, you know, I get there and it just So we get to the we get to the gig and the guy sets us up, right? He's the bass player, not even yeah. the front man. Sets himself self up. You know how the band is kind of usually in like a V and you got the right. drummer behind the front person? He's the front person. Set himself up. He got there first, so he'd be the front guy. But he set everything he's got to control up behind me. Oh, my gosh. So then after we do a sound check, we get everything sound checked. We go through the first, um, the first set. He goes to put on break music. Now, here's how smart he is about using his electronics. He plugs in his phone, turns it on, and it's super loud. Yeah. And so he's trying to turn it down instead of turning his phone down because he's got to hook it to the head. All he's got to do is turn his PA down. Well, first, he starts turning down channels because he doesn't know which one to plug into. Instead of turning down the, the channel, the, the auxiliary which, channel. Which and, is and he's probably pushing in. so much volume out of the phone that he's, he's clipping the input in addition to, oh, my gosh. So then we get up there and we can't hear anything. Because sure enough, he blew everything we did. Yeah. Mr. Rockets. Yes. And I was like, I'm not going back. You can't pay me enough to come back. You can keep it. I don't care if I'm burning a bridge. I do not care at all. Not one bit. I'm out. All right. All right. I see your I see your bad band experience and raise you a good one. All right. Go so I got the I got to the uh well, all right. Let's back up. So last week I mentioned, I think, the the, the crazy set list, right? Like all this music that I'm not yep. prepared to play. And, um, yep. Barry Manilow could have yeah, been Yeah, I mean, it, should, it, it might as well have been. It <laughs> might as well have. Um, God. <laughs> calling, um, calling occupants of interplanetary craft. The yeah. carpenters. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I hear you. Um, I don't even know what to say to that. Um, moving on. <laughs> You know that so, was actually a punk song before the Carpenters did it. I just went to. It. I believe that. I believe it was that. like a postmodern punk song. Yeah. yeah. So um, that day, I had I had a wedding to go to in DeKalb. So for those of you that are not inclined, DeKalb is okay. about thirty miles west of me, towards the country. 
Um, so we drove out to DeKalb at about two o'clock in the afternoon. We've been up since five that morning because yep. my daughter had therapy in the morning. So we took her to therapy and then came back. And then we, I dropped her off their moms. Everybody got ready for the wedding. And then we drove to DeKalb. We did the wedding. We were there for uh, like four hours. I think we left at six. The gig started at seven thirty. We drove back to Chicago, um, or we drove back to you know my area in the Western Burbs, and uh, drove up to the gig. And um, I get there, and everybody's already there, right? Um, first band is setting up. The first band is is uh, fronted. Um, well, one of the people is is uh, a, a guy I used to play with like twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, right? Um, and and so I knew that I because I'm playing with his brother right now. Um, so this is you know, this is the 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 Tash reunion basically. Um, so I walk in and I you know I'm like, do you want me to hook up and whatever and like set up? Um, I get my set my Kemper set up. This is this is where things start to get like, huh? Um, so the our lineup consists of um a ukulele player singer a guitar player singer acoustic guitar uh, a bassist and an electric guitarist being myself um and their gear is all set up right straight across um so i'm kind of like setting up in the area where people are walking by the bar so i set up my gear um i get patched into the pa uh he's he uh my my buddy from years ago is running the PA through an iPad, which is really cool. Like first time I've had to had that experience, and uh, we get all squared away, and he lets me do a little bit of sound check, and uh, everything's everything's cool. Um, and I'm kind of like the whole night. I'm kind of like wondering, like, who's gonna come and like bump up against me, or like is somebody gonna spill beer on my camper, or all these different things. So I did my best to keep it out of the way and to like set it up so that people wouldn't walk near it. Um, and I kind of gave people the benefit of the doubt right um oddly enough there was there was a drink spilled but it was on the other side of the little playing area um behind us were a pile of like guitar cases and stuff in the window ledge and then two giant like halloween trees with what looked like eddie you know between them um iron maiden's mascot like up there in the air right and uh so i was like we should we should play some maiden i was like kind of like hitting around but um it was one of these situations where it was like, if we, because let me describe how much space there is, right? It's like three feet between us and the microphones, between the trees and the microphones. Not a whole lot of space to work, maybe four feet, right? Not a whole lot of space to work with. So if anybody wants out of the line to like go to the bathroom or something during the sad or because, you know, for whatever reason, they're going to have, everybody's going to have to move out of the line to let the person on the inside out. It's kind of like being in a booth at a restaurant. And um, so we get all set up, and or I watch I watch uh, the first band perform. They're great. Uh, it's a banjo player, uh, two acoustic guitars, and they're all singing, right? And it's and it's very like um, I want to say it's like very folk oriented. Um, they do they do some covers and stuff, but it's but it's good. Um, not necessarily the most bar friendly music because it's kind of quieter and more subdued, but uh, works out right so then we get we get ready to take the stage um we do our little sound check but as i'm I, as i'm i'm kind of nervous because there's some songs that, that i'm playing like horn parts on guitar and stuff like that so i need to kind of warm up so i take my guitar outside and i'm standing out in front of the venue and i see that one of the other brothers because because there, there's four brothers three of them are playing on stage with me okay um 
they, he goes to his car and he starts getting out his electronic drum set. And I mean, this is like maybe five minutes before we're supposed to play. I go, well, great. He's got drums. I'm like, obviously he's got this figured out. Like this won't take long to set up, whatever. And it didn't. Um, but there were like, there were little issues all night. Uh, but we all soldiered on. We did a good job. Um, and uh, everybody was thrilled. So worked out great. Got paid. Um, can't say anything bad. I mean, honestly, like even, uh, even playing Margaritaville wasn't, wasn't horrendous. Um, and, uh, yeah, people really responded and I'm, I'm quite proud of it actually. Um, I thought I I'd hyped it up in my mind for so long as like playing with a cover band was going to be like this negative experience and like, it wasn't going to be fun and I wouldn't be able to put my personality into it all. But because of the way we do some of these tunes, like we play ain't too proud to beg, but we play it, we play it folk. Right. And uh, like kind of almost bluegrassy and that allows us to put some personality into it. Cause it's not the, it's just an arrangement and people like it. So, okay, we'll keep doing it. Uh, another show booked, same venue for um, sometime in November. I'm told uh, black Wednesday. And then um, I think we're doing it again in December as well. So if you're interested, hit me up. I'll probably post details later. <laughs> There you go. So in other words, it worked out pretty yep. well. And I didn't know half I didn't know you half can... the song. So um and it didn't no, matter. Not really. No. Did it? Because because the way you I'm just good. I'm just made I'm it. decent at, at integrating. Um and because there's so many like I told you, there's two there's two rhythm instruments, right? At, you know, bass and drums. And then there's two harmony instruments. And I'm just over the top. So if I'm not playing the right chords, I just roll my volume knob back a little bit and try to do my best. And if I am playing right, I'll turn it up. And basically I try to ride like the harmonic stuff. A lot of times I'm doing single note lines. It's basically like going to an open jam and just making it work. So I'm good at that, which means that I can do this. And if I yeah. do it more, I'll probably get better at it. A couple faux pas. I did, uh, I did hit the wrong foot switch during... Uh, one of our tunes and turned on a heavy metal sound and uh, that, that was entertaining. <laughs> and I just discovered this morning because I'm like, why was every time I hit my drive pedal, it was getting super loud and like really obnoxious in the treble range. And I looked at, I have two, um, I have two distortion stomps set up in the, uh, in the Kemper. And I realized yep. one of them is set to a fuzz and the other one is set to a, to a tube screamer. Guess which one I was clicking on. I thought I was clicking on the tube screamer. When you hit that button and you hear a fuzz, you're like, what the hell's happening? <laughs> I thought it was the PA. <laughs> I thought it was the PA. And on top of that, we only had two monitors and they were in front of the vocalist, as they should have been. But I was having trouble hearing myself all night. <laughs> I will bring my cabinet next time. I, in fact, I got online this morning and I started looking at cabinets and I was like, I should just get a Harley Benton Vertical 212 so that I can have I can have the Kemper at like eye level and I can have the the uh, upper speaker that's kind of angled differently so that it projects better and I can actually hear it. That way that'll kill two birds with one stone. I don't have to worry about a monitor. Um might work out better than my my uh base of 112. Anyway. Um I'm trying to think there was something else uh about this that I wanted to bring up. Oh, the wedding. 
that one killed me because I went to the wedding and I got this weird vibe while I was sitting at the table and I, you know, we were sitting with two other people and he guy across the other side of the table goes, I know you from somewhere. He's like, do you play music? And I'm like, well, yeah. And he's like, I do too. And he's like, I'm a bass player. And he said the name of his band. I forgot, I forgot it was, but he's like, they've been broken up for a while. There've been some life situations going on. He's wanting to get back and playing. And then he starts talking about the music he plays. And it's right up my alley. So we're going to get together and jam soon. Um, I got the guy's contact information and all that stuff. Just completely out of the blue. Um, and I recognize both of the him and his, his uh, significant other who were there. And I'm like, I don't know where I know either of you from. Because I've never seen his band before either. So we've crossed paths at some point. Um, but there's that. And I reached out to one of the guys from the open mic that I normally go to, and he's interested in getting together and jamming too because he wanted to learn some things, and I wanted to teach him some things and maybe learn from him. So, oh, cool! Yeah. I'm making I'm making all these like networking things. It's it's all working out right now. <clears throat> it, the thing that that I'm glad to hear is how you uh, like the fact that, that that covers weren't as bad as you thought they might be. I, yeah. I want to preface that with I do feel my dignity dying <laughs> when, when you know you <laughs> launch the second chorus of Margaritaville that part of your soul dies um, and yeah but the beauty of it, okay so you take a song like Margaritaville that's, that's a classic no it's right? not All the, <laughs> it is it is I mean for, for listeners yeah alright take, take a song like Margaritaville whether an individual likes it or not, there's a lot you could do artistically in that. Because when you think about it, you're just playing over D, you're just playing over A, and then you've got a G in there. I mean, that's it. Basically. So in all reality, it's one, four, five, two D. There's a couple dominant sevens. Yeah. But you get to, and you get to mess around with them. But the, all the double stop stuff, because that was all done on steel, or steel drum originally. So there's so much room for someone to I get to do some to go in that song. I, I will admit, like, even just when, you know, they turn to me and say, what do you think about that? And then I start playing like that gives me the springboard to make it something that it's not actually the most fun songs in the set were the Johnny Cash tunes. Yeah, yeah, that's that's another one where you can Big have a fire and Folsom Prison Blues. Like everybody knows those songs, so when you open up with one of those songs, the place goes crazy. And uh, yep, we we got pretty sloppy because because we'd been playing for we played two and a half hours last night, um, and we were in our second set when we did uh, we did Ring of Fire, and it was we didn't rehearse it very well, um, and it and it was kind of mushy, but I think uh, part of that was the drums were so. I didn't get. I didn't want to get into this too deep, but the electronic drums were uh, the kick wasn't working very well for the PA, and the uh, hi hat pedal was was missing in action. So the hi hats were open last night for pretty much everything, and um, the kick pedal was pretty much indistinguishable. So we were we were driving on the snare, folks. Uh, it was it was pretty entertaining. I'm sure the audience could hear it better than we could. I don't think the monitors had much bass. But I, but I think the uh, the mains were fine. So, it, I mean, it's your typical like 
really small bar show with a bar band who's really funny and they have good stage banter. We had people come up from the audience and tell ghost stories and all that kind of fun stuff. So I got to play the theme from Halloween and, uh, you know, theme from Jaws and stuff, um, which is cool because they like they kind of suggest like play something spooky. So I started playing, you know, all these diminished chords and got to go nuts for a little bit. Um, and that's the kind of stuff I enjoy. And actually, I I really dig the fact that I don't have a microphone in front of me because when they told me to do stuff like that, I have to communicate with my guitar, which kind of a challenge. Yep. It gives me something to do. Honestly, I, I find those the the most interesting kind of things to do because you have so you could have so much fun because there's such a wide range of things going on. When when very little is going on harmonically, you know, the chords are not moving too much. It's so easy to branch out and to do a lot of stuff like that. I I find it. I I'm probably just an idiot. Oh, I love so. I love like when somebody because we used to do stuff like that years ago and somebody was like play angry and then i would play the uh, the blast p part of uh of rain and blood by slayer or you know something crazy like that it's like well i can't think of any angrier stuff than that um yeah yeah not much gets angry <laughs> um but i don't know it's a good experience i encourage anybody who's like on the fence about it make some money with your music go go do some cover shows um yeah you know i it's not that i'm not going to make money off of my uh my own writing endeavors but i i think you know this is going to pay some pay some uh string bills and stuff so um a lot of money yeah. i'm not and i'm not even mad about that actually the thing i told my wife this and i'm sure some of the guys from the band are listening and more power to you but my whole thing is like i kind of believe the same thing as randall smith the second you start doing it for free you have no value so right. don't do it for free don't do it for free. Cannot. Well, no, there's like so like I'm open mic. I don't consider that doing it for free, because you're that that is no. like a training session, and the club is getting yep. something, and you're getting something too, like judgment free zone, right? So that's right. But the big thing is to to get out there, enjoy yourself, um, and you know make something of it. You know, cover. I've said it before. You know, covers are something that people um, go out and some people make fun of. I don't I don't make fun of them. I look at them like an opportunity to be artistic. And you can you can either um, you being anyone. Yeah, interpretation and arrangement is an um, art unto itself. So. Right. And I, and I always um, appreciated it when somebody can take it and actually interpret it and turn it into something like, OK. There, are, I can't tell you how many people that I know who cannot stand to hear the Toto version of Africa. Or I mean, not Toto. I'm sorry, the um, uh, Weezer version of Africa, because there's nothing but yeah, Toto it's the same thing with Weezer yeah. singing, right? So it's like okay, it's the same song with River River oh, whatever well. its name is, yeah. But um, and and a little bit of Weird Al by the way, Weird Al's on there, um. So, okay, but it's, it's Toto. You didn't do anything with it. Yet take the um, what, Leapfrog Studio version of it. Yeah. The right, super right, heavy right. metal version of it. And that's a fun song. And it took the basic melody, but turned it into a metal song 
and turn it into a fun. That sounds metal really song. good because uh, Ruby is on it. Yeah. Who? Oh yeah, yeah Ruby no, is on it. Not, on I didn't know Ruby was playing stuff. That. I don't know if he's on that necessarily. He's part of their touring group. I know that. Yeah. I think that's what actually drew Rabia to join them. Was that be. song? Because he was he was talking about um, that, and he did mention it, but I don't remember if he said he was on it or if it's the reason that he'd heard of Leapfrog Studios. Because Leapfrog went, yeah, to him. and that doesn't surprise me either. Rabia Masad, guys, if if you don't, I mean, yeah, of of all the YouTube guitar players that I can think of, like the people that that have made it on YouTube, yeah. Rabia is the one that deserves it the most. That guy's incredible. Yeah. Um, yep, I can't. I, I can't. Uh, I was listening to this record the other day, and I was just like, I, I, "How did this guy go unnoticed?" Um, and then I heard that he did that. He did a, a interview with with Anderton, which is even funnier. He did an interview with the captain, and yeah, it's funny because yeah, I used to work. He with explains the like how he met Rob, and it, he basically just ran into Rob in a bar, and he was like. He was yeah. he was kind of kind of drunk, and he's like he's like we should get together and jam. And and Rob's yep. like, Rob's like, okay, I'm gonna go over here now. And he leaves the he goes outside the bar. I think he took his number. I'm not goes outside yeah. the bar, and his friends are like, that dude in there. We saw him this weekend. He was in a, he was at a house party. He was completely hammered, but he was freaking incredible. He he's was- like. Yeah, and, and then that's when like he Rob calls him up and he's like, "Yeah, we can get together and jam, you know." And then they get together and play, and it's like match made in heaven, and that's how Dorje starts, and um, yep, that's how Rabia's career starts, really. Um, and now yeah. he's kind of like a sought after side man amongst some of these people, like like for example, uh, Leapfrog Studios and all that stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, and Leapfrog is one of the few that actually took it right, around, right? Um. So, which I thought, was I mean, I, there's other, there's definitely other deserving YouTube guitar players. I'm not saying that like anyone's any better than oh, others, yeah. but of the, of like the A-list YouTube guys, like he's one of the, the top dudes. Um, and I, you know what? I gave him crap because I, I got his Kemper profiles and they, I didn't like him, but they're good. I use them. Um, I have a, I have a whole. Yeah. You actually gave him crap. You didn't just give him crap. You gave him crap. Well, like, no. Personally. Yes, yes, I did. Um, and you know the thing is, I didn't, folks. That's the thing that I want to point out. Dave actually gave Rabia crap. Yeah, personally, he was. I like, don't, I don't dude. Like you know me. Like I will not. I will not. I. I don't care who they are. If if I don't like what they did, I'll be, I'll be yeah, like, you know yeah. what? I like what I like your playing, but this was awful. Um, and I don't make bones about it. And you know what? I I I'll find that talking to some of these people and acting like that, they treat you better. Because they realize, like, you're not blowing yeah. smoke. Like, you're being honest with them. Um, and yep. so it w- was funny, though, because uh, his cabinet models are dark. I mean, And that was that was my criticism. And But what I found out is if I can dial in some of the other cabs that I have, like the IRs and stuff I have, um, they're, those those models are really, really good. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but I just don't. I also want to point out that Dave has... David hasn't reached back and told him. No, oh, I actually have. Um, but I don't. Oh, you but I don't think the victory. Uh, I don't think the victory cabs are my thing, and I think that's basically. Yeah, the victory cabs. I don't think the victory. Oh, I, dude, dude. Have you listened to like the? I'm no, not no, a no, no, no. Guy. Have you heard the sheriff or any of like? 
they have some no. other amps other than the Kraken that are no, only the Kraken. I've only heard the Kraken. Um, and they're yeah. cheap. That's what got me. I was like, dude, you can get a Kraken for like a thousand dollars. That's cheap really? for what it is. Yeah. Well, how much is the sheriff? I think it was the sheriff I wanted to try, but I, the sheriff's I only like twelve hundred, um, I think. There's a couple of different ones, um, and they're all pretty affordable. If you're not getting the hundred waters, they're pretty affordable. Um, I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that the uh, the MT15 is sort of loosely based on the Kraken. Oh, yeah. oh really? Yeah, I heard I some compar comparisons the, it, where they're they're very similar. You can tell that like they're voiced a little bit differently, but they're like the circuit is very similar, and you can hear it. Um, Okay, drive down to Indianapolis and grab me this victory um, sheriff for a thousand dollars. Dude's crazy. I <laughs> believe they're. Uh... Well, they're. I always thought they were. No, so they do have distribution in the United States. Rift City was carrying it for a while. I don't think they are anymore, but I know Zounds. That... Rift City Zounds gone. does. American Music Supply does. Is Rift City gone? Yeah. Yeah. Did Rift that City happen? Gone. I don't know what they did. Yeah, that happened a couple months ago. I mean. Yep. I saw Check that. It out. They didn't have a going out of business sale. All right, fair enough. Yep, they're not completely gone because their website's still up. But um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're going out of business. I, it doesn't surprise me. I I know from some local some some local people here that have gone there. That Rift City is kind of a joke um, because they make out yeah. like they're a much bigger company than they are, and then you go in and you find out it's like this little little operation. So I, my assumption is that's why um, Rob. Chapman Guitars ended up at Guitar Center because they knew Rift City was going to close, and so they they uh, took their business elsewhere. Um, I'd like to see Victory get some wider distribution in the states. Uh, it'd be nice to actually play one yep. store, um, which my understanding is they're an Anderton's distributed brand, which is why they're UK only. Um, I'm getting really, really tired of of Anderton snapping up the good brands and being like. Oh man, they're grabbing a lot. I, I, all right, honest God, I I know I said some awful things about Chapman guitars. I've played some of the mid range ones now, and they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, they're yeah. not. So if you're not a metal player, you're not gonna like them. They're not really voiced for yeah. like regular rock and roll or anything like that. But they're they're decent. If you if you like metal, like you'll like Chapman. Yeah, but if you're looking for a decent price on a Chapman right now, check out Rift yeah. City Guitars. They don't have a lot of them left, but they've got a few. The Ghost Frats um, are big sellers. The Traditionals. I mean, they've got the $1,000 ones marked down. Um, that's the place to get one right now. Ooh, a Godam. Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't buy anything from Rift City. Um, I've not heard, yeah. not heard good. Oh, you wouldn't? There. Well, that's, yeah. I Well, I guess you wouldn't really have any place to go after the, if you needed any. Well, that's a big part of it, but, but more or less, I just wouldn't want to give them the satisfaction of giving them money. Um, some of the things we can talk all yeah, about of it because they, they have because I know some things. Uh, a V44 head for 1200 bucks, of course. Um, anyway, right, uh, the sheriff, but anyway, yeah, I got I got my eyes set elsewhere. So, um, uh, the yeah, the the fact is that, um, so I'll be taking some time off from doing open, yeah, he's I got, got a new job, time. folks. Well, no, it's not that. I really only work in a couple of days a week. It's not. It's not that much. I'm working. I think three day. Well, four days. I guess total this week because got to include today. So, 
um, tomorrow. You'll Tuesday be better off doing Saturday. this in open mics because you will get money, Jim. <laughs> money is always better than not. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. Money and discounts on guitars. And I get discounts on lessons if I want to take lessons. I could give lessons. You don't have that contract yet. That's next. That's next. That's what you have to do market. next, Jim. You have to get the yeah. inside I track on the contract over there. Because they don't have a lot of um, they don't have a lot of weekend people. There were no lessons. That's good to know because I could probably go teach lessons here on the weekend. In our, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It, it most of your musicians work. They they gig on the weekend, and most of the people that work at guitar center. I don't know if anybody would want to learn how to play from me. I've tried. Yeah. I've no, tried over the years. It's not worked out well. Mostly because it's like, <laughs> what, what What? do you mean you can't do this? What do you mean you can't do this? Here, yeah. it's easy. Pretty much <laughs> what it feels like. I, it's actually very frustrating to give lessons because you're like, here's how you play an A minor chord. And then you show them and then it's like, you just plink, plink, oh, I know. plink. And you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop. <laughs> you want every note yeah. to ring out individually. Pick them all individually. Yeah, and then you're like, you're like, come back yeah. next week when you can play an A minor. <laughs> yeah, come back next week when you can play a G, 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 D, A minor, E minor, E, E, F, F. C. I mean, those your cowboy open chords. No, F is a no. You F do, is the like, next step, especially for acoustic. You do F chords. from the fourth, from four That's down next. on the D string down. You just don't do the whole. Thing. I try to show people that. You know what the problem trying to show people how to play? So I have a lot of people who will come up to me and they're like, um, at the at the gig, it's like this guy that played guitar back in the day. I used to play the guitar back in the day. The guitar? Okay, you played the guitar? Which yeah. the guitar yeah. were you playing? Wow, anyway, you played the only so, one yeah. back then. <laughs> you played the guitar. So anyway, it, it, um, the, when you're playing... I can play I can play one or two strings without having an anchor point. And I'm sure that you can too. There's a lot of guitar players that can. But the fact is that when you're coming in and and you look like you're doing this, but you're actually coming in and coming out at an angle and you you know exactly what strings you're gonna hit, I can hit two or three strings. And so I can play a rhythm part that's two or three strings wide. And this guy goes, I, I don't understand how you're you're doing that. How you're playing two or three strings? And, I, and I, my mind went, obviously, you didn't play the it's, guitar. It's, it's, a, it's guitar. a lot easier if the strings are not like okay. So if you're like missing the high E and the low E, like if you're hitting somewhere in the middle of that target, or if you're only playing the top three strings, that's a little bit more hard, hard to do. But if you're saying like hit it from the D, I, I most people can do it. And actually, if you're doing um like an F chord like that. Uh, you can actually hit from the A. It's just an inversion because FAC. Yeah. So yeah. it's just it's just well, a matter of knowing that like you got to kind of mute low E, <clears throat> which you have to do for a C chord anyway. Which if you can play C and you can play an F, it's not that much harder. Now, now that 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 goes to where when I'm playing with a band is different from when I want to play oh, yeah. myself, right? So if I'm if I'm playing with a band, the only strings I actually hit, I I play three strings. Just the, like the high string. So I play the D string, the G string, and the B string. I mute the E string with my with my pad. Oh, my you wouldn't be able to string. do the, the uh, reggae and stuff I, I was doing last night then. 
Well, no, if I'm talking about in a in a regular rock thing, like yeah, most right, people right. will play an, an F chord, they're doing a power chord. I'll play an F chord with that right. with that voice. Or like you you know, the the um the thing you're talking about, I'll play the yeah. top three strings and I'll just rake up, rake come up like this. Right. Or the top two. Um, that's, yep, so that's one of the things that I thought was really cool last night was I know the songs well enough now that I'm doing, so I'm arranging them and I don't think they even pick up necessarily on what I'm doing yet. Like he'll say like, he'll tell me it's going to be D, A, and G, right? And and then and I'm like, all right, yep. cool. So he's playing them all cowboy open chords and I'm playing them at the fifth fret. You know, and the fifth and third fret, and and it's like he looks over at me. He's like, "What are you doing?" Sounds right. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, because I'm thickening up what you're doing. You know, because uh, I don't yeah. want to play the same voicing because then it'll sound like trash, um, especially if we're any in any way out of tune. Um, plus, I know my guitars are intonated better around the fifth to seventh fret anyway. They just tend to be that way. Um, I don't know why, but that may be just because of the nature of the guitar. Guitars in general are intonated better um, as you move up the neck. So any sort of harmony part, like it drives yep. me nuts. I'm like, I want to play it the fifth fret. Screw these cowboy chords. Because your A minor will be really yep. in tune, but your D will be really out of tune, and then your C will be like trash. Exactly. <laughs> I'd rather be up at the fifth yeah. fret to the... So I'm I'm working in the middle of the guitar. Guys. Well, and the I'm other not... thing is, it's more ergonomic too. Because if you've ever sat there and played cowboy chords all night, like your arm, oh, yeah, your arm and your shoulder like start to feel like they're gonna fall off. My my sometimes my my hand goes numb. It's yeah. like oh, way out of here. So that was the other thing. Wrist grips. Talked about uh, grips. Yeah, yeah. You I want to talk, talk about, about them for the last 15 minutes of the show. So. Carpal tunnel thing, the seven string guitar, right? A couple of things. Number one, I was practicing really bad position, um, which I think I had assessed that when I made my initial suggestion I was going to have to do something about it. Uh, number two, uh, I do have some sort of wrist problem, right? Like this is a legitimate thing. I haven't been to the doctor for it, but it's pretty clear that if I wear wraps and stuff, it fixes the issue. So. Um, I've been wearing a medical wrap before I got the wrist grips. Um, and I got to say, when I did get them, I put them on. I was kind of like, these don't really fit comfortably. Um, they're kind of scratchy and itchy. They're made out of cotton, but they're like a, ni not like a nylon feel. Um, you get used to them. It's like wearing a wristwatch. And actually, I found out, I found myself like looking at it like, what time is it? And going, oh, shit, it's, it's wrist grips time. Uh, and uh because they have a little logo on them um and now i can't play without them and i'll and I'll be completely honest with you i only wear one i wear one on the left hand um because it's the fretting hand where i have all the trouble and i can get through like the more challenging stuff without any pain whatsoever um and, and i don't think it's necessarily so like yeah the, it, it does affect the circulation it affects the the ulnar nerve that's there that that uh the meta the parcel nerve or whatever that that causes the carpal tunnel problem um because it keeps that from moving but what it really does is it forces blood flow into the hands and it keeps your hands um they don't they don't cramp up they don't get tired which that's another problem i have especially if you're going through a gig where like every song is in d or a 
and it's the same chords over and over. D, A, C, and G. I, I honestly, in the set that I was playing last night, if I didn't know what the chord was, chances are it was a C or a G. <laughs> um, and you quickly realize like that you're going to be writing those notes a lot, the same positions, the guitar in the same place. The other thing is, um, because of the because of the way the wrist grip works, it, it forces the blood flow into your hand, but it also keeps your hand in the proper playing position, and that's the important part. If you develop bad habits, this is a good way to undevelop them because you can't move your wrist. It stabilizes the part of your wrist if you're wearing them properly. That gives you all the trouble. Um, so I play my seven string. I do have songs. I have the one song that still will cause problems, causes my hand to fatigue. There, that's not going to go away. Uh, it's a challenging part. It's got a lot of stretches, and it's very fast. Um, but I will say that I'm probably 10% more proficient when I'm wearing the wrist grips playing that particular passage than I am without them. But just getting through like longevity and not having pain and making sure that you're practicing good technique, I mean, it's worth the, the price of admission alone. I think they're only 20 bucks. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Um, but you could you could accomplish the same thing with a medical brace if you got one around. Or even, I mean, you could probably fashion your own if you were so inclined. But I think the wrist grips really work. I think it's worth exploring if you've got a little bit of extra cash and you you notice that you have pain or you feel tightness in your wrist when you do certain things. Um, I tend to be a thumb-over-the-neck player for, for most of my playing. Um, where I only switch if I'm doing like really fast passages or stuff that involves like long stretches. And I think that's part of my issue. I don't feel the, uh, there's like a pulling sensation. It feels like you've got like a part of your, or, or like part of your wrist catches and then you have to move it a little bit more and then it pops and then you can feel like it, you feel it hurts. Um, but it's not like a, an intense pain, but it will be if you continue to do it. Um, it, it alleviates that and that's that's critical because that's long-term injury from that that's gonna happen so that's why i think you know for the for the 20 bucks it costs don't fashion your own to bother just just go buy the right ones and get it over with they seem to be really good they don't collect sweat they're washable uh and the the ring on them is metal you'd be really hard pressed to bend it um which i know um they do have uh, industrial strength velcro on them and it's really easy to get them too tight but they're easy to adjust i mean i've adjusted them during the songs so it's not it's not out of the, uh uh the realm possibility however i will tell you this the only drawback i saw to them was that they're they're velcro they're industrial strength velcro so they're loud when you take the velcro off they're extremely loud and you're gonna laugh when i tell you uh when i tell you why this is an issue I come home from open mics. It's like one o'clock in the morning, midnight. I stumble into my bedroom. It's dark. Everything's put away. Um, my wife's I'm in bed asleep, sometimes sawing logs, sometimes sawing freight trains. And uh, my, if you know my wife, I do not want to wake her. I get in bed and I lay there for a minute and then I realize, oh shit, I got to take the wrist grip off. <laughs> So it's it becomes a struggle of good and evil. Do I take it off in bed? Or do I get up? Do I leave the room? And do I take it off there? Jim, you're on mute, by the way. Um, I, I'll, oh. I'll be like, 
I'll be like, do I take it off in the in the bed or do I go into the bathroom or something so she can't hear me? Um, I have successfully taken it off in bed without waking her. It Are you serious? Really, That's... took a really long time. <laughs> and the whole time I'm yeah. like looking around like, did she see me? Like You were like, And you're looking at her. I just don't know how. Like, yeah, I just. Right. Am I gonna get in trouble? <laughs> I don't know how else you could you could put a like a, a fastener or something on these that would that would do the same thing. So I think that's not really necessarily drawback. It's just like this is the only way you can do it. Um, the other thing is, if you're gonna do these, I would recommend you put them on before you play, uh, for like half hour, maybe while you're tuning up or whatever. Um, put them on then because it helps the blood flow. Because I noticed, like, when I put them on right before I go on stage, I don't feel the effect as much. Um, but if I put them on a little bit before I go on stage, and it's much better. And people, yeah, I thought people would ask questions because they're black, right? Um, and they're pretty conspicuous. I, I thought people were going to say something like, what are you wearing that for? Nobody said a word. I always tease people. I'm like, this is my tonal secret. Ah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah, no, they work really well. Jim, I know you were talking about getting getting a, a set. Yep. You're worth it. I mean, it's worth 20 bucks. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and if they don't work for you, I mean, you probably don't have wrist problems. You probably have good technique. Um, I think I think guitar is one of those instruments where technique is, you know, like classical music. If you ever play piano, there's like different schools of thought on how you should play piano. We don't have that. Yeah. Guitar. It's kind of every the... man for himself. I mean, we got we got Marty Friedman, you know, if you've ever seen his guitar technique, like that's basically the uh, how can I play the guitar by taking my arm and putting it around the back of the guitar and then reaching around to the front and playing over the top, um, bending my arm where there is no extra joint. <laughs> I, I, you know, all the way down to people that like have perfect technique, like uh, like Yngwie Malmsteen. Um, and the reason I say this is like, you know, there's these different schools of thought on how things work. And I think, I think to some extent, it's like free for all do what works for you. Well, if you do that, you're going to end up like Marty Friedman with, you know, some sort of like tennis elbow or something, you know? Um, so I would highly recommend you consider doing something like this to, you know, kind of be corrective and proactive, but yep. uh, you may not need it. If you don't play fast, you may not need it. If you don't do a lot of bends, you may not need it. <clears throat> I do a lot of bending. I'm a bender. I don't like to slide up and I, I, I mean, I don't like to slide. Like you'll see some guys like slide up a fret and back down a fret real fast where I'll bend to do the same thing. Um, and it, I think it's because I spent a lot of time practicing bends and I'm like, I'm not going to go through the effort of doing this <laughs> when I can just do this. It's a total phrasing thing though. Cause I do both. It is. <clears throat> oh, it is. It sounds completely different. I'm not saying that it sounds the same because it doesn't. Right, right. Um, so, yeah. Oh, and we got uh, so <clears throat> um, next week we'll have to talk about some of the stuff that was posted in the group because there's the cut, the Paul Reed Smith that uh, John Bott posted. I want to talk more about that earlier in the show. I don't. That was like that Paul Reed Smith. Oh yeah, that thing was. I mean. I like and it. Then, I just didn't like the fretboard. Yeah, I, I don't know. I had a lot of problem with all the the, the artwork overall. 
I thought it was okay, but I didn't. I didn't think it was anything great. That was about. not a ten thousand dollar guitar. I'm sorry. Maybe, no. it, maybe in the construction and everything, but like the the design and concept was not a ten thousand dollar guitar. Um, no, sorry, <laughs> just not wasn't. even close. So yeah, yeah. And then uh, we need to talk about uh, Dan Kish's change, the harmony silhouette. Yeah, yes. how he's changed over to like e harmony. Yeah, um, maybe we'll have him on the show. Let's see if we give him. Yeah, to join us. And then we see can if he'll jump in and tell us about it. Maybe he'll get into harmony with us. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, I have been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we're the Magnet Turks.